that is our prayer, that we would offer our heart to you, and God, that we would serve you with a whole heart. God, would you help us to seek after you, and Lord, would our prayer be that we would know you, and would we follow you, and would we be able to share in your sufferings, and God, to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. God, I ask that you would be with us tonight and help us to love you more. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys can take a seat. Um, We are week three in this Heaven Week series that we have uh, entitled FOMO. Jonathan, if you want to turn me down just a hair. Uh, But FOMO, as we've titled this series, and we have spent the first week uh, where we talked about uh, heaven in general, and it was kind of a little bit sporadic. It was all over the place. We talked about uh, the new Jerusalem, the new earth. We talked about can you go back, can you go to heaven and come back? And then last week, we talked about resurrected bodies and what they will be like. And I said over and over, there was a lot of things I didn't understand, and there was a lot of things I did understand, or somewhat. And we just kind of came out of the gate and said, hey, if you can understand God completely, if he can fit into your box, he's not actually God, right? That there's an aspect of faith, not blind faith, but there's an aspect of faith to this whole thing. And how the the thesis for the entire series has been, you and I experience FOMO maybe on every level, right? Relationally, uh, career-wise, people who are ahead of us, school, in any aspect, there's this idea that we fear missing out. And if you are going to fear, fear, have FOMO in any area, it should be heaven. That you should fear missing out on going to heaven. And we talked about that the first week, to make sure you're going. And then uh, last week we talked about how if you're going to fear or you're, if you're going to have FOMO or want something tremendously, you should aim towards heaven. And I had the tent behind me and, you know, we talked about the tent and all you got mad because I don't like camping for some reason. You want to convince me to camp. I don't like to camp. So, you, you know, we talked about don't invest too much into your tent. And so tonight... What we're going to talk about is eternal rewards or how to not miss out on trophies, right? So uh, there, there's always, always. So tonight is different in a sense of a lot of times I will try to be very pointed, right? I'll stay in a passage. We'll go verse by verse. We'll look at different things. I'll have some cross-references. Um, tonight, I am literally, I mean, I probably had, I, I cut it in half because uh, for sake of time and for your sake, but I have a lot of cross-references. I wouldn't write everything down. I wouldn't do all that, but he, here's why I'm going to use a lot of the Bible tonight. Never fails. Never, ever fails. You talk about rewards, or heavenly rewards and eternal rewards. Someone will come up afterwards or someone will say afterwards in the car, you'll be on the way home. You wouldn't say it to the pastor, but I know you say it. I've heard through the grapevine uh, that you would be like, yeah, I knew they were talking about eternal rewards, but I don't really believe that stuff. Well, the problem is that the Bible, it is all throughout the Bible. I mean, literally, it is everywhere. It is everywhere. And so there are two, and, and when we talk about rewards, I'll talk about, that, about this in a moment, but all of you are motivated by rewards. Every single one of you. You want a trophy, right? Pee-wee football, I know you guys. You wanted the trophy, right, or cheerleading. I don't know what you guys did. Uh, I actually have a trophy. I'll save that for later. Uh, there, you know, you are motivated by rewards. Or for some of you, you're motivated by money. 
right, which is a reward in and of itself. Once you, uh, for some of you, once you hit 40 hours a week and you get paid, you know, time and a half or maybe double time, you're like, hey, I'll stay. Like, you want me to stay? I mean, I'll stay. I'll do, what do you want me to do? I'll clean the toilets, whatever. So you are motivated by money. And if there's anything that we should be motivated by, it is eternal rewards. There are two different aspects of uh, judgment or things that we will face once we die. There are two different days of judgment. The first one is in Hebrews 9:27. It says this, "It is appointed for man for a man to die once, and after that comes judgment." So um, that is the first judgment uh, day that you and I will encounter. When you die, I believe instantly, right away, the first thing that will happen you will face God, and that will be your first judgment. Will you either go to heaven, or will you be rejected by him and go to hell? That will happen, I believe, for every single person who breathes, that that will take place. The second time of judgment is uh, in Ephesians 6, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord. So there are good things that you do as a Christian. Uh, There are good things that you do as a person that God wants to reward you for. He wants to give you something because you did it. He wants to, to praise you in a sense. And we'll talk about why and all that and what it looks like. But just to make sure you know I'm using the Bible and a lot of it tonight. The first one is in Matthew five twelve. It says, rejoice that your reward is great in heaven. So, that, so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And he's saying when you endure trials, we'll talk about this tonight, that you have a reward in heaven. It says in Revelation three eleven. I'm coming soon. Hold fast to what you have so that no one may seize your crown. Uh, We'll talk about in the Bible, uh, you cannot lose your salvation. Once you accept Christ as your Savior, I believe that you are firmly in his hand. No one can pull you out. No one can pluck you out. There's nothing uh, that you can do to unearn his love. There's nothing you did to earn it. But there are things you can do to earn crowns or earth or heavenly rewards. And there are things you can do to lose them. We'll talk about that towards the end tonight. Last one, Jesus said, I'm coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. Now, I don't know about you, but I do not, I do not like going or or showing up somewhere and I didn't know that I was supposed to bring something. Um, maybe it was, I mean, a wedding. I know I'm supposed to bring something, but if you're going to a birthday party, if you're going somewhere and you show up empty-handed, let's say you were just going with your friend at so-and-so's birthday party, and as you showed up, you realize you were supposed to bring something. You, it took effort, it took thought, and then you show up and everyone's giving them birthday presents or whatever, they're taking pictures. You're kind of in the back like, yeah, 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 sweet. You're taking pictures like, oh, happy birthday, yeah. And everyone's like, what'd you get them? You're like, oh, I just, I was here, yeah, like I was just showing up. And, and it feels awkward, right? It feels very, very awkward. Um, I believe that there will be an aspect uh, to, to getting to heaven. And we'll talk about this whole Bema seat thing here in a second. Getting to heaven and having a sense of regret. We talked about that, this. There's different seasons in heaven or transitions in heaven. I, I believe before eternity future, if I were to die right now, I will have some regrets in heaven. There will be some things that I am not proud of that I've done or things that I did do or did not do. Heaven, a, a misconception about heaven is that it is only a place of positive rewards. It's only a place of that. Now, in the Bible, there are five, at least five crowns in heaven at this thing called the Bema seat. Uh, pull up that picture for me. 
I was actually in Israel one time, and in almost every city, it's there. Uh, there's uh, ruins of what was called the Bema Seat or the Judgment Seat in each city to where when someone was put on trial uh, back in Jesus' day or in this time, you would, I mean, you weren't held in court uh, just kind of like in, in a room with, some, with a judge and private people. It, I mean, you were put on court in front of the entire city, and everyone would kind of just show up to see what you did, and they would all just kind of stand there, and they would check it out. And uh, this is, these are just steps that they have of the ruins to where someone would walk up to the Bema seat, and I could not find the picture for the life of me. Oh, my gosh, I was trying so hard. Anyway, uh, where I had a picture of the actual Bema seat in one of the cities to where if you did something wrong, you would go, or good, you could go and sit on it, and you would sit there, and everybody would just come and watch and hear what you did. I mean, that's like worse than posting something bad about me, man. I mean, everyone just kind of hearing, and, and you didn't have, during this time, uh, just for historical aspect, you didn't have a chance to um, speak back to or defend what you did or did not do. You just, it was a judgment time. It was the Bema seat. Now, in the Bible, there are at least five, at least five of them. Just to make sure I'm proving it to you, Romans uh, 14, 11, and 12 says, For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. Each one of us will give an account of himself to God. 2 Corinthians uh, 5, 12, For we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Which means this, um, whether something you did that was really good, Jesus wants to praise you for that which is pretty cool. And I know the eternal rewards are a weird concept, right? Because you can't really picture what is it. There's all this stuff written about a wreath. I don't have a wreath. I have no idea what it would look like. They're like, you know, the wreath, how a runner runs. We'll talk about that. Um, and you're like, I don't really care about crowns. Like, why are they significant? And I don't really care about trophies either. I just kind of want to make sure I'm going and what am I going to do there? Well, I don't necessarily believe that it is just five or limited to five. We'll talk about this. But the, the impact of it is this. Your experience in heaven, if you're going, will not be the same as the person to your left or to your right. It won't be the same. We talked about houses and what you will have and what you will do. Some people will have more responsibilities in heaven because of the work that they did on earth. They will, I don't want to say enjoy heaven more, but I want to say they will reap the benefits of what they did for Christ on earth different than some people. And it says in 1 Corinthians 3, uh, and this is where it kind of gets a little hairy. He says, Paul says this, each one's work will become manifest, which that means this, will be exposed. Which, uh, that everyone, it's kind of like all your stuff is thrown up on the screen, right? So if we were just able to take all your text messages the past uh, week and just plop them up there and be like, all right, who are you talking to? What did you do? You would run and never come back. Uh, there would be an aspect of guilt for some of us, or there would be like kind of embarrassment. I'd probably be really embarrassed. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, manifest. For the day will disclose it because each one will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that is done has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, this is important, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. So for some people, you're kind of thinking, they're like, hey, I just want to make sure I get in. Like, I want to make sure I'm going. I don't really care about the rewards. I've talked to people where they're like, hey, right before I die, I would like to say whatever prayer I need to do. I'd like to wait for my deathbed. I'd like to wait right before I exhale 
and accept Christ because I'm not really worried about rewards. And I completely, completely understand that that's where some of you are tonight. Or listening or whatever, I completely understand that. My goal for tonight is to make, for some of you to say, man, I, I, I need to quit wasting what I'm doing. I need to serve Christ with the time and resources he's given me. I hope tonight to motivate you in a lot of ways. And also for the things I'm doing to kind of put myself and have a heart check for me and say, man, why am I doing what I'm doing? Because the question is always posed that uh, people will ask about heaven, is it going to be boring? You'll see a picture with a baby in a diaper on a cloud playing a thing. Hey, pull up Kinsley in the diaper. No, I'm just kidding. That would be awesome. You guys are like, no. Uh, you know, you see the picture of the baby playing the thing, and you're like, that's so weird. I, I think heaven, you're, you're, you're concerned heaven is going to be boring. We do not serve a boring God. God is not boring. I mean, his, I mean, the fact that he created you, the desires he gave you, and how he created you, but I do believe, I do believe wholeheartedly what we do here and now and today will affect how I experience heaven for all of eternity. So I'm going to, and first thing, here's what I want to say is, what is the point of a reward? Why, why even talk about them? Because if, there's, if it's a place of we're not going to envy or whatever, what are we going to do with them? Well, it says this in Revelation, they cast their crowns before the throne saying, worthy are you, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they existed and were created. There will come a time when you will take what you received, Whatever crown you got, so maybe you got five, you got two, you got one, you got 50, I don't know. You will take them and you will put them back at the feet of Jesus. It's not a place for me to be celebrated. Heaven is not going to be better because I'm there. I doubt it. It's not going to be better because of how many rewards I have for everyone else and people are going to be praising, right, the applause will be praising me or you. It is about Jesus. Make no mistake about it. And we will worship him. And we will praise him. And every reward I, re- I receive, I will do this. I will lay it back down at his feet. How many of you, and do not lie. You can't lie. You're at church right now. Don't lie. Do not lie. How many of you, show of hands, you played a sport, you did something where you received a participation trophy? Raise your hand. That's what's wrong with us. Nice. So, I actually have one. Uh, I brought one in with me. Yeah, this is it, guys. This is it. So, uh, I have a box of these. This is not, not a joke. I mean, I was sh- shuffling through the box before I came. This is uh, Mogador Youth Football five-year award, 2007, Mike Duma. Five years. I played for football for, yeah, give me a play. Yeah, five years. I played football for five years because I put on the jersey. I, I, didn't, I don't even think I had to do anything for this. Didn't score a touchdown. I didn't, and they call my name up. I come up, you know, take it, mom, smile, picture, the whole bit. And participation trophies, you know, the, you heard your grandma or grandpa or parents are like, that's what's wrong with that generation, the participation trophies. You're like, did I ask? Like, you gave it to me. So uh, we blame you, mom and dad. But anyway, um, in, in a funny way, right, we, we received these rewards and these trophies. I have a a trophy, I'll, I have to say it now, a trophy I was shuffling through tonight. I don't know how this happened. I was in first grade and we went to the Randolph Fair and we would shear sheep. And I have a shearing sheep trophy I almost brought tonight, but I would weird some of you out, so I just kept it at home. A big sheep on this thing, and anyway. Uh, but <laughs> there are things that we get there simply for participation trophies. I want to be very, very clear. I do not believe 
anyone is going to get a participation trophy in heaven. I don't think there's any of those going out. Hey, just because you decided to play, here's a crown. Just because you decided to go to church, here's a crown. I don't think any participation trophies are going out. I think everything will be revealed by fire. It will be burned up in a sense. And only what was done for the right reasons will last. So here, I'm going to rifle through these uh, super quick. Five crowns, and then I'm going to get to, the, to where I want to get tonight. The first one is the imperishable crown. Um, this is what it says in 1 Corinthians 9. Do you not know that in a race, all runners run? Duh. That if you're going to run, if you're in a race and you're going to run, hopefully you're not walking, you're running. But only one receives the prize. So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath. There it is. But we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly and I do not box as one beating the air. I don't know why he, I've always wondered. I'm going to ask Paul in heaven, bro, why the boxing thing? Like, why was that the illustration? Um, Anyway, don't aimlessly run in life. For those who live a life with purpose and you live a life with purpose for Christ, you will receive a crown. Second one, the crown of rejoicing. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 2.19 for what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus Christ as, at his coming? Is it not you? This is called my favorite crown. This is called the soul winner's crown. Um, it says in Proverbs 11.30 that whoever is wise wins souls. And here's what, is, what he's getting at in this crown. For those of you that have led someone to Christ, when you get to heaven and you see the person that you've led to Christ, that is your crown. He says in 1 Thessalonians 2 that he not only gave his, the gospel, but his very life for them. And in a sense, I believe uh, we need to make heaven more crowded. We need to share our faith, and we need to, uh, hopefully that we want more people in heaven. I believe when you get there, you'll see someone, and I mean, it's just going to be the weirdest, awkward bear hug you've ever had. And it's going to be your crown, the crown of rejoicing. Number three, the crown of righteousness. And 2 Timothy says this, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me also, but all who have loved his appearing. There is a crown for those who long for heaven. For those who don't invest too much into their tent. For those who get there. And it wasn't about just here on earth, but it was about getting to heaven. Those who long for heaven and who want his appearing will receive the crown of righteousness. Number four, the crown of glory. Uh, When the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Uh, Super quick tangent here. This is talking about church leaders or ministry leaders or pastors. And those who are faithful, and and it couldn't even be limited to that. I think any of you who serve in any capacity, worship leaders, small group leaders, uh, door holders, whatever, whatever you are. Um, If you serve Christ and Let's say I do this for me. It's for me, it's for my name, it's so people would like me, think I'm funny, you know, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Whatever someone does for themselves, if it is for selfish reasons, and a lot of you would maybe know someone who is a selfish ministry leader, when they get to heaven, they will have no reward. There'll be nothing. It will be burned up as though it was just dust. There was nothing that they did because it was solely for them. We'll talk about why here in a minute. Number five, the crown of life. Revelation uh, 2, it says, Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. This solely is the martyr's crown. People who are persecuted for Christ. 
people who were killed in the name of Christ, they will have and they should have a special crown. Am I not wrong? Someone who was facing death and did not renounce the name of Christ but lived for Christ, they will receive a special crown. And this one is kind of connected, but I think a little bit different. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. When you go through certain seasons and trials in your life, and our trial is just the worst. They're long, they're hard, you don't feel understood, you feel like you're the only one when you're going through a trial, it's difficult, you don't feel God, you don't feel like he hears your prayers, you don't feel like church is helping. Trials are the worst. And when you go through a trial, if we remain steadfast under trial, which means this, you follow Christ just as much in the trial as you do out of the trial, there'll be a crown for you as well. There'll be the crown of life. Now, I will say this. I don't think there's just five. I think the Bible gives five. I'm not dogmatic about that. I think there could be more. I think there will probably be more. I don't know what they will look like. I don't think they're just wreaths and I can bring a little crown and put it on my head and this is what it is. I I don't think that's what it's limited to, but I think that's what majority of what the Bible is expressing, that there are crowns and rewards in heaven. Now, I'm going to spend the second half of this time hopefully uh, being helpful for those of you if you don't want to miss out or if you don't want to show up to heaven empty-handed because I know for me, I don't want to show up empty-handed. Anytime I do, what do I do? I show up to a birthday party empty-handed. The other day, my brother-in-law, I was like, hey, man, here's 20 bucks. Like, I appreciate you, dog. Like, that's for you. Like, yeah. And, and it's kind of awkward. It's like, hey, I didn't really think about it. I'll get you that Hartville Hardware gift card. I actually said that to him. I was like, I'll get it next week, right? I'll get it to you. And it's, it's kind of awkward, right? But when I show up to heaven and I sit at the Bema seat and it's kind of my time or whatever, everything I have done for Christ will be exposed. Everything. Why did I do this and why did I do that? And I don't want to show up empty-handed to the one who gave his life for me, the one who gave his gifts for me. How embarrassing would it be for me to show up and say, hey, I, I got nothing. I did it all for me. Now, we read two weeks ago about the, or last week, about the thief on the cross in Luke 24. You remember we read about the man who right before he died, on the cross beside Jesus, Jesus said, what did he say to him? today you will be with me in paradise. I think that's still awesome. For people who get to go and you're not worried about rewards or right before they die, they give their life to Christ, there still is an aspect to this to where even if you are gonna miss out or you're not worried about missing out about rewards, you're like, hey, I'm going and I'm glad. There's a person I was talking to the other day and uh, I was talking to him with a buddy of mine and as we were talking, we were like, he's definitely going to heaven, but right now he's, he's struggling hardcore and we were like, well, we'll see you there, dog. Like, we'll, <laughs> we'll see you there. But th- there is an aspect of this and that. But for me, I don't wanna miss out and I hope you don't wanna miss out and I hope you don't wanna show up empty-handed. Number one, do something today where I am and with what I have. No matter what, no matter what, any season you are in, any season you are in, you will have the temptation to believe two things. Number one, you are too busy. You're just too busy. Busyness is not a season right now for us. It is like a lifestyle, isn't it? You know, I mean, you think one semester in, one semester out, once you start dating someone, once you're this, and once that happens, busyness does not, there's excuses that I make that I'll say, once this season is done, I'll start doing this for Christ, and I'll have that excuse. Or the other side is this, well, I'm not as gifted as that person. I'll compare. 
So I'll complain and I'll compare. And here's what Jesus talked about in Matthew 25. This is what he says. He, he gives a story, and I'm not going to read the whole story, but he says this to one person who went and did something with uh, their, their talent. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little, and I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of the master. So there's three guys. He gives the talents out or the money out. One guy takes it and does something with it. And he hears the words, well done, good and faithful. And then the other guy says this, I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you, his master replied. And Jesus said, the master will say, you wicked, lazy servant. Someone who was wise in the story in Matthew 25. He took his one talent. He said, hey, it's kind of risky. I might lose the one talent. I only have one talent. I don't, I, or let's say, let's put it in, I only have 100 bucks. I don't want to waste this 100 bucks. He, the, but the one who took whatever God gave him and did something with it, received a reward and heard the phrase, good and faithful servant. God will not judge us. He will not judge me on our terms or what we think of success. He's not going to judge you on how successful you were, how much money you made, how much lack of money you made. I don't think he's going to judge you on those types of things. No, he will judge you and I on one primary thing. He will look at you and he will look at me and he will say, were you faithful? Did you do anything with the gifts or talents I gave to you? I know for a lot of us, if you have a spiritual gift, I need to do something in here on spiritual gifts. I have said so for some time. But anyway, um, if you have a spiritual gift and you use the spiritual gift, God gives you a reward back for using that gift, regardless of your gift, how public or private the gift is. He is asking, were you faithful? Number two. If you don't want to show up empty-handed, check my motives. Jesus says in Matthew 6, 1, Beware of practicing your righteousness before others in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. So here's what's, what's hard. This one scares me the absolute most. Jesus says, watch what you do if you use your spiritual gifts, if you use your talents, if you uh, work really hard. Be careful why you're playing and what you're doing, because if you do it just so that we receive the applause of men, that will be your actual reward. That is what you get. That's, that's the praise and honor that you get. And it was C.T. Studd who said this phrase that just bends me all the time. Only one life will soon pass only what's done for Christ will last. When my life is put under the microscope in the fire, it will say, Mike, why did you do this? Did you do this for other people to be seen by them? Or did you do this because, number one, it is what I called you to do? It was obedient. I believe that the obedience that, that I give to Christ or that I honor him with, and inside of my heart, why do I do what I do? doesn't matter what anyone says about what I did. doesn't matter about what they were saying about me and why I did it. And, and the appraise that you and I seek after, it is motivating, isn't it? Even for your parents, you, their, their approval of you drives you to do certain things or drives you to say no to things or yes to things because we want their acceptance. But above all, above all, what is Christ asking me to do, no matter how popular it is? 
Only what's done for Christ will last. Number three, don't be the one to post about it. Um, This gets really tricky as well. Uh, So uh, pull up Matthew 6. There's three different scenarios here. The first one is when you give to the needy. So Jesus is implying you will give to the needy. He's saying when you see someone in need or you see someone hurting, you'll provide for them or you'll give to the needy. He's saying, and and I'll explain here in a second, he says, sound no trumpet that your giving may be done in secret. So we'll we'll talk about that here in a second. And he says, when you pray, implying that you will pray, that I will pray, talks about the Pharisees, the hypocrites, they love to pray in the streets, seen by others. They have received their reward. So when I pray, does this mean I'm not allowed allowed to pray in public? No, it's asking the question, why? Why do I do what I do? And the last one, which is my absolute favorite, uh, Matthew 6, 16, when you fast. Ah, this is great. Um, It's implying that we will, not necessarily from food or anything. It's not implying that. Fasting could be anything. When I'm uh, withholding from something in order to pray and cry out to God, not that he hears me because I fast, but because I'm fasting, I pray and cry out to him. But when you fast... Don't look gloomy like the hypocrites. They disfigure their faces. That their fasting may be seen by others. So um, that's what was repeated in all of those. And at the end, they have received their reward. Your father who sees in secret will reward you. The reward that God gives us for praying, fasting, and giving could be literally just immediate. It could be an earthly reward or blessing that he gives to us. But it also is eternal. Now, there's always someone out there who's about to fast, and they're telling everyone, and they're, you know what I mean, they're posting about it. They want to let people know, taking a fast, you know. Uh, once you do that, just know that's, that's your reward, that people have seen it, that they've acknowledged it. Um, when you pray, and you want people to see you praying, and sometimes you might not even pray, but you'll tell people you're praying for them, right? That there's your reward. Or when you give, you'll give to make sure that someone will give, or they'll see you give. You're walking around church like, hey, where'd this go? Right, I have money, you guys take this, is this a thing around here? Like you're kind of walking around. I uh, actually have seen someone just walking around with a check like, do you know where this goes? Uh, there's a box, right? Uh, so anyway, <laughs> uh, there, there's, you gotta ask yourself the question, why? Why do I do what I do, and is it to be seen by others? And it says in Proverbs 27 too, Let another praise you and not your own lips. So it can get posted about, people can praise it, you can get acknowledged and applauded for it, but don't be the one to do so, right? Uh, And and it always gets tricky. There's this uh, guy uh, I'm talking to right now, and he's been listening to the podcast, hasn't been here, uh, but he's been listening, and and he'll hear this, and he'll know I'm talking about him, but he's about to give his life to Christ. He's got three weeks. I told him last night, and I said, bro, you got three weeks, and so uh, he's listening, and he, we were working together, and he had uh, an energy drink, and I said, he gave it to me, and I said, hey, let me pay you for it, and he said, no, 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 the teaching's been good, man. Just keep, keep the energy drink. I was like, oh, Sweet, man. I said, hey, actually, we're about to do rewards. I don't want to lose my reward, like, you know, for pray, you know, for the teaching. Let me just pay you for the energy drink. But anyway, do I lose a reward if someone tries to pay me an energy drink uh, for teaching if I'm like, yeah, I thought I killed that message, man. I'll take two. Like, how many you got? No, it's not that. I think I can take it, and I got a clear conscience between God and man about the energy drink. But we have to say, why am I doing what I'm doing? I need to check 
my motives and I need to not be the one who's shouting it from the rooftops. Just letting everyone know. And doing things, things in secret is tremendously difficult, isn't it? It's just hard. I want somebody to know. Just somebody. Right? And especially when you pray, when you're praying with someone, you want someone to kind of pray along with you. When, and all those things are, are fine. And when you're fasting, maybe you fast with someone or whatever. Maybe you have fasted with someone. They bailed on the fast halfway through and you didn't. And you kind of want to, you know, God to pay them back and all these things. And you're, you're kind of wanting these things to be seen or noticed. But I have to say, why do I do what I do? 2 Corinthians 4, just, I was talking to someone on Sunday about this. We fix our eyes not on what is seen but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Man, how sad that going to be just to show up and I got nothing. Or I thought I did X, Y, and Z, and God's like, man, I know you and I both know why you did that. And it says in Matthew 6, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and three thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Last one, number four, don't waste what you've done. So um, it says in 2 John 1, 8, watch yourselves so that you may not lose what you have worked for, but may win a full reward. I remember I was just figuring out the whole reward thing, and I had said to a pastor, he was telling me about rewards and how you can lose them. I was like, bro, you've been telling me that for like three years, and I ain't seen a verse or nothing. I think you're lying. Like, I tried to Google it, couldn't find it, all these things. And he like wrote it on a piece of paper, he walked into my office, and he was like, here. I was like, oh. It's there. It's definitely there. Um, if you read in 2 John 1.8, I believe that this will happen for a lot of people where maybe you remember a godly season in your life. You were on fire for Christ. Man, you, you got baptized. You got pictures to prove it. You were the mission trip man. I mean, you were just a savage. You did really good things for Christ, and that would happen. Man, you got around the wrong person, started dating the wrong person, started, you got caught up at that one party, you went to the one school, and next, next thing you know, you were in a corner where you didn't even know what was happening. And it's amazing to me, and I'm always, anyone who gets baptized, I always sit there right across the table and I'll say, hey, I want to let you know, right after you accept Christ, you get baptized, buckle up. Because it's just like the whole world seems to fall apart. Everything just seems to, you know, and I believe, I believe that's biblical. You look at Jesus in the wilderness. They go, you go through tough seasons. I believe a lot of people will lose what they have worked for. All of the good that you have done is lost. Now, can you get a reward, lose it, get it back? Get, I, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe. I have no reason not to believe that. But I believe that... Um, the bad motives that I have sometimes, those rewards are not given to me. When I do something really good, and then maybe I, I don't want to use the term backslid, that's a little too charismatic for me, but you, you take a few steps back in your faith, and you make some bad decisions, but you're still a follower of Christ, I think you'll lose what you have worked for. All of that tough work. And nobody, nobody in here likes working really hard and then getting nothing on payday. Nobody likes that. You don't like practicing all week long and you didn't get to play. You don't like working overtime and you didn't get paid for the overtime, right? In any regard. You don't like studying for an exam that's coming up and then you get pulled from the class and you don't get to even take it. 
Nobody likes that, losing what you have worked for. But I do believe that will happen for a lot of people. But only, and here's the, the tricky part about this. As a pastor, we like to give confidence or assurance of things, right? We want to say, this is true, this is true, and this is true. When it comes to rewards, none of us can look at somebody else and say, well, they didn't get a reward or they do this. Pastors are crazy about this. They're so good at it. They'll look at it, they'll be like, that pastor did this, and that pastor did this, and this one's this, and this one's not qualified. And this one. They'll look at every other pastor, and they're just judging the nonsense out of them, which we all do, right? And you'll judge, and some of you might be like, well, my ex-boyfriend, they lost their reward when she did that, and she cheated on me. You'll have, right, you, you want to look into someone's heart. You can't. You can only see your heart. You can only know your heart. And I have to ask myself this question. Even I was going to take this part out, but I felt like it was so, so necessary. Because I know if you're like me, not that you are like me, you're not. I mean, I know you're not. But in the sense of the, the sinfulness part, you want to be a big deal, don't you? A little bit. And if I want to be a big deal, I've had to ask myself this question. Or read this story and then ask a question. The disciples came to Jesus. Now stop, don't, don't look at the screen, don't look at the screen. Um, Jesus is on his way to be crucified. Just think about this. He is going to die for the sins of the world. You've been with him for three and a half years. You're walking to the hill. And you're on your way and you're like, hey, yo, Jesus, quick question right before you head up there. Um, when we get to heaven, like, where am I at? Like, am I with you or am I on the left or the right? Am I, I mean, better than John, better than John, better than Peon, better than him. I did way more than her, right? And you, you kind of want to know. And just like you and I, the disciples, he's about to die. And they're kind of concerned if they're going to see him again. They're like, hey, where am I going to be? Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? That's what I want to know. Jesus, it's probably going to be me and you up there because we kind of did a lot. And Jesus, because he's so good at stories, he's so good at stories. He says this, he called a little child to him and placed the child among them. So all these, no, these just 12 grown men standing there, calls the child and pulls the child. you imagine Jesus standing there with the little child, his two hands on his shoulders and just kind of looking at them? And I imagine he pauses, right, because there's power in silence, I don't know. Uh, and he said to them, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Why does Jesus use a child? I believe he uses a child because children, in a lot of regards, I don't want to say they're innocent, but they don't, they're not really worried about the competitiveness. They're just happy to be obedient to their parents. They want to please their mother or their father. They want, there's an innocence there or a gullibleness to where they just believe and do whatever mom or dad says. And it has nothing to do with what they will get or what someone else will get. The joy comes in being obedient. And I like how he says, unless you change. Because they had yet to change. They had yet to change their mind and repent of what they thought heaven was going to be like and what it was going to be about. When I get to heaven, it won't be about me. There'll be a time when I sit down at the Bema seat 
Maybe I receive some crowns. Maybe some are taken from me. Everything will be exposed, and maybe he'll say, hey, you did this season of your life completely for you. And there'll be a sense of sorrowness about that. And whatever I have, at the end of that, I'll probably have, I don't know how long, the Bible doesn't say, I'll have the crowns or the rewards. And I'll just go like this. And I'll give them right back. And I'll walk away, and I will probably have a massive worship service where we wildin' out. I imagine that's what it will be like. It will be for a short time and for a short season, but make sure, make sure you're doing something for Christ. Something. You ain't got to be changing the world. You ain't got to be going crazy. You ain't got to, I mean, but something. And when you do it, let's make sure that we are doing it for the right reasons and for not to be seen. Let me pray. As I'm praying, I want to read Romans 12. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the same members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, having individual members of the body. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let each one of us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. God, even as I was praying before tonight for everyone in here, myself included, I pray that all of us would have the certainty of heaven. If someone does not have that tonight, God, I, I pray that they would just make a decision to follow you. God, would they accept Christ as their Savior? Would you take the scales off of their eyes and their mind? And when they see Jesus for how good he is, as he was tied down, nailed down for them, would they give their life to him? And God, I hope that all of us want to show up with some type of reward. God, that we want to serve you. God, would you help us to not make it confusing or complex? Would we just ask ourselves the question, what am I doing for Christ right now? Would we be faithful? Would you help us to be faithful? And if we're not serving you, pray that you would help us to start. And if we are, pray that we would do it for the right reasons. And God, at the end, you get the complete glory. And would we serve and worship you as so? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand as we sing one more song?